Thank you for listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you are. For more information about South Metro Ministries, please visit smmcog.com. I want to preach a Labor Day weekend message I want to teach today. How many of you hold a job? Yeah. How many of you retired from one? How many of you ever had a job? You got one? Yeah, okay. I want to talk to you about take this job and love it. Yeah. I know. You thought so, didn't you? Take this job and love it. We're reading from Genesis 24. It's a little more lengthy than usual, but it is important. Genesis 24, verse 10. Let's begin. I'll read out loud. You follow with me. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one who you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. Stretch your hands here, this direction. Just 10 seconds. I'm running out of time. Say, bless him and help him, Lord. Come on and anoint him. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, and through the power of your Holy Ghost, anoint us all. God, I pray for impartation and revelation that we will be better, not only at church on Sunday morning, but from 8 to 5, 9 to 5, 1 to 12, 12 to 8, whatever time we work, at home or any place else, because we are living epistles read of men and women. We are walking Bibles if we say we are Christians. So give us the power to take our jobs and love it. Amen. And you may be seated. I begin with a question. What do you think is a secret of long life? 
Think about it. What do you think is the secret of long life? In a survey some years ago, they found out it does help if you come from a family of people that have lived long lives. And it does help if you care for your body, you eat right, and you exercise. But the survey found out that the number one reason that people live longer is worker satisfaction. When people enjoy what they're doing. Wow. Literally, the key ingredient to living a long life is enjoying your job. I wonder how many of you this morning would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I don't think I'm going to live very long. Uh, Matter of fact, Pastor, before this service is out, I think I'll be gone. Thank you, sister, for being honest. I read after John Maxwell, and some of the inspiration for this message comes from my reading after him. And here's a quote that he gives that talks about the secret of job fulfillment that I agree with. The secret of job fulfillment, John Maxwell says, is finding something that you like to do so much that you would gladly do it for nothing and then learn to do it so well that people are happy to pay you for it. Wow. Here's a story, folks, going on in Genesis 24. It's very simple, but yet profound. Abraham is a very old man. His wife Sarah has died. Isaac, his son, is about 40 years old. And in biblical times, it's the job of the parents to select a mate for their child. Which after looking at the divorce rate in America, I think that we parents should go back to that same... Well, okay, all right, a model. Knowing that it's his job to select a mate for his son Isaac, Abraham calls his faithful servant Eleazar and says to him, I want you to go back to my homeland from which God brought me because Abraham doesn't want his son to be unequally yoked to the people of this strange land that God's going to make it a nation of one day. So he sends his servant back to find a wife for his son Isaac. That's where the whole text is about. Now I want to focus for a moment on verse 19, if you will. It's in your scripture. It's where Rebekah, after giving a drink to Eleazar, the servant of Abraham, said these words that just grab us. She says, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. Eleazar made a fleece to God. He had ten camels of his master, servants, and those camels were laden down with goods. He didn't know if he'd have to travel a few days or ten days or twenty days or maybe thirty days. He was sent on a mission. He came at about the time of the day to this certain place, village or community. And it was the tradition and custom, while the men of the city worked in the fields, the women and the young 
ladies would come and draw water for the family and take it back from the well to where they lived. And Eleazar made a fleece before the Lord and said, Lord, give me success. And here's how I'll know that you have given me success by helping me to find a wife for my master's son, Isaac. Let the maiden who draws water and I approach her for a drink of water from her pitcher on which she will carry on her shoulder. Let her give me some water and without me asking, let her also say, I will also give you water and pour water in the trough for your camels. Now somebody's thinking, so big deal, pastor. She was not only willing to give a stranger a drink of water from her jar, but also she was willing to give her, his camels water. It is a big deal because you have to understand that a camel will drink between 20 and 30 gallons of water. And if you multiply 10 times 20, it always comes out to what? How what? 200, we're going to have a math class. 200 gallons of water. It'll take at least two hours for her to go down to the well, fill up her pitcher. Let's say it holds two gallons. Put it on her shoulder. Come back up the steps. Go to the trough and water ten camels. It is a big deal. And so what you have here is what is known as the Rebecca Principle. Let me help you to know what the Rebecca principle is. And if you'll put it on the screen. The Rebecca principle says that one would have a willingness to go the second mile after you have done what is asked of you, you do a little bit extra. She was asked to give this stranger water. She did what was asked of her and after she did that, she did a little bit extra. Here's what I found out in the kingdom of God. Extra effort, write it down, extra effort brings extra reward. Go ahead and clap. Don't give me one of them kind of half-baked. Give me a, give God a good praise. There is a prevalent mindset in the American workplace that is hurting our nation. You see in the workplace in America today, I'm afraid that the average person says, I'm going to do the least that is expected of me and try to get the most payment for it. In the American workplace, the average person says, minimum effort for maximum return. And I know you're thinking, Pastor, this may be true about the workplace in America, but what does it have to do with me? I'm sure glad you asked. It has everything to do with us as Christians. Because this shoddiness and lack of extra effort and lack of second mile thinking should never take place in the mind of a Christian. Whether you like your job or not, for that season in your life, God has placed you there 
and you're first working for God because He gave you the mind, the arms, the legs, the hands. He gave you the income. And if you'll do your best where you are, He will take you to the next level. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus thought that in His teaching said, our righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees. And if you knew anything about the Pharisees, they were the all-time clock watchers. I'm a preaching little Indian. The Pharisees would do exactly what was required, nothing more and nothing less. And Jesus said, our righteousness should exceed their righteousness. If it doesn't, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember the illustration that Jesus gave when he talked about we should turn the other cheek or walk the extra mile? Do you remember that in the days of Jesus, the Jewish people were living under Roman domination? The Roman Empire controlled much of the known world and they controlled the Jews. And Roman law says that if a soldier is traveling through town, a Roman soldier or Roman political personality or a Roman person of uh, respect and uh, noteworthiness, if the soldier came and tapped you on your shoulder with his sword and he says, I've got some bags to be carried, carry them. You had no choice but to lay down your stuff and walk a mile with him. You remember Jesus said that when they ask you for your outside coat, coat, give them your inner coat also. Second mile principle. Now under Roman law, you had, you had no choice. It was the law or you would suffer the consequences. Once you carried his baggage or his luggage for one mile, you could politely put him down, dismiss yourself, and go back to carrying your own bags. They could not make you go the second mile. Now what's significant about, uh, about what Jesus is saying here is that there should be a difference in the workplace between the Christian and the non-Christian. Give me an amen, somebody. The Christian walks the second mile and does the little extra effort because that's what God has called us to do. You are probably working in a place. You have to clock in. You have to give eight hours. You have to listen to so and so or else you lose your job. But I'm telling you, there'll come a time if you'll do it right. If you'll give your best effort. If you'll work unto God and you won't just look at your clock, God one day could make you manager over those who are managing you and he can not only give you a part of the company, you can start your own company. Because if you're not doing your best where you are right now, you're not going to do your best where you're going later. Oh, I'm trying. Jesus says, like Will Williford said earlier, if you want to be a witness in the workplace, don't carry your big Bible 
and have a Jesus t-shirt and what would Jesus do bracelet and quote scriptures about being a Christian. If you want to be a testimony, <laughs> give your maximum effort to your employer, your co-workers or those you have supervision over and by your giving your best, they will know you're Christian. Hey, if you ain't doing that, you doing something else with foul language and finger gestures and do me a favor and do South Metro Ministry a favor and don't tell them where you go. Okay? Do the rest of we Christians a favor. Don't even tell them you're one. Because anybody could look holy and dress holy and sing, don't be ashamed to say that I love him on Sunday morning. Anybody can praise God and look glorified when the music's going. But when you get out in the morning and you have to load up that bus or you have to load up that truck or you have to clock in or you have to go into the airport or construction or you have to be a waiter or a waitress, that's where you have to say, God, I need your grace and some of these customers and clients are grouchy, but I'm going to serve you with maximum effort. Hey, hey, let, me, let me hasten to tell you that the second mile Rebecca principle works like this, and it won't be on the screen, but you might want to write it down. We are not to live our lives by the measuring rod. Always measuring like the Pharisees. I got this many hours. This is my job description. I don't pick up the trash, so I'm going to leave it on the floor. I want everybody to take care of South Metro Ministries. We got custodians here. We got lawn cares, but this is your church. I give my tithe and I give my offerings, and so somebody else is going to pick that up. No, this is the house of God. I, I know, I know. This is the house of God. You, 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 my point is, it, it's somebody's watching you. I said somebody's watching you. Oh, yeah. And really, somebody is watching you. Got, that camera is everywhere now. <laughs> And, and, and so you don't live your life by the measuring rod. You, 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 not only that, you cannot walk the second mile until you walk the first mile. We have to get the basics under our belt. We have to do a thorough job with what we have before us before we can do an excellent job with where we're going. And I said it before and I'll repeat it again. If you haven't done a great job where you are, you can't do a great job where you're going. And one more time, extra blessings comes from extra effort. Three words that make a difference in the Christian life in their work. Three words. And then some. Everybody say it out loud. And then some. That's what Rebecca did. Rebecca gave Eleazar a jar of water or all he could drink. She could have said, have a nice day, sir. I got my mother waiting for me. If I run late, they're going to send helpers to come find me because they expect me back home at a certain time. She disregards her schedule and waters ten camels. Because she understands that 
I'm just a daughter of God. And Jesus said, if you do this unto the least of these, my children, you do it unto me. Jesus said, I was, for those in heaven who he's going to reward, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you visited me. And you're going to say, when did we see you hungry and naked and in jail and do anything for you? And he'll remind you that on September 1, 2013, at the Walmart or the restaurant or the parking lot or somebody with a flat tire down the road or somebody needed a $5 that you did it, nobody seeing you, you did it. And when you did it for them, you did it unto the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap and he will reward you. Oh, blessed be the Lord. You know what? Rebecca didn't have a clue who this man was. The Bible says he asked her who she was. And she told him. Is your Bible open? Look at chapter 24, verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her, for her wrists weighing ten shekels. Whoo! You talk about, but this is free water, mister. No, ma'am. You're an answer to my prayers and my master's prayer. Where you live? Do you have place at your house for me and my servants to stay? Do you have place for our camels? Yes. Come on to our house. And I got to make this short. They, Eleazar, went to her mother's house and her brother's house, and we assumed that her father had gone on. These were distant relatives to Abraham, because Abraham said, "I don't want a son from the Can- a, a, a wife from the Canaanites. I want them for my own heritage." How many know God answers prayers, brothers and sisters? Before they left. The servants, the camels, and Eleazar spent the night. They ate food. They had a celebration. And they told Rebekah's mother and brother, Laban, why they were there. And they said to the girl, as they discussed her future, this is something of God. And God's in this. And therefore we'll send you. Will you agree to go? And she said yes. The long and short of it is that she went with them. And when she went with them, one of her maidens went. And before she left, Eleazar gave her brother and her mother gold and silver and clothes. What do you think those ten camels were taking beside food? Eleazar decked her out and went, not only that, she became, because the Bible says Abraham was a wealthy man. And when he died, he passed it all down to Isaac. And when she married Isaac, look out Oprah Winfrey. She was the oldest, she was the richest woman in a known culture at that time. Because she did what was asked and then some didn't have a clue that God was going to give her such a reward. 
But you know the greatest reward for her was? She became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some thanks. Oh, mama, mama, mama. You see, extra effort gives extra reward. I was looking at television on Friday night, and I like looking at this show called Shark. What, what is it called? Shark Tank. And right before it comes on one called Undercover Boss. You see, I had this pulpit designed so I could preach from right here. So I was watching this show. And a female top-ranking executive from Popeye's Chicken. Can I get a witness? I know, you're going to lunch and I'll have to preach the next sermon, but that's okay. A top female executive from Popeye's Chicken decided she'd go undercover in Popeye's Chicken chain of restaurants, and she went to the Louisiana area. How many saw it? Yeah. And she disguised herself, put on a wig, and put on the workplace uniform of Popeye's Chicken, and went in as a new employee who needed to be trained. She wanted to see how you hire, how the company trained, how the company served, how the company processed. So one of the restaurants, she was assigned to a, a young African-American man, looked like he was probably 20 or 22. His name was Josh, and he was a trainer on the job. He was courteous to the customer, trained her in every detail of her job, spoke well of the company, and he was a credit to Popeye's Chicken. He was very cordial, very friendly. When it came time for lunch, and to take their lunch break together, he said to her, not knowing who she is, just somebody being trained, he says, I can't afford to eat at Popeye's Chicken because they're too expensive and they don't give an employee's discount for their food. So they got in his car, he and she, and went over to Taco Bell's. Yeah. And while they were having conversation at lunch, he talked to her and he said, after work at nights, I have to walk home late nights, one hour to get home because it's hard to get a ride at night. Somebody may drop him off in the day. He says, I walk one hour. While they were having lunch, he told her, he said, I want to go to school and train to be in the hospitality business and I'm working to pay my way. And if you saw him, he was just as cordial. He had the gift of hospitality. So in her exploration of everyday operations of the company out there in the field, she met a lot of interesting people and she met some people who were not enthusiastic about a job and their job, I should say. And you know, at the end of the show, if you've ever seen the show, they call some of the people they met during the job and during the restaurant and all places, they call them up to a special office and they, they called these several people up, Josh included, and they talked to them one by one about what they saw in the company. And to make a long story short, she said to Josh, she revealed herself as a top CEO of Popeye's Chicken. And man, he put his hand to his mouth and he, his head bowed down. He's thinking, you know, he's thinking, oh God, what's she going to do to me? 
And she said, because of how you go the extra mile, and because of your kindness to the customers, and because you are proud of our store, I'm going to begin immediately to give all employees in every Popeye store an employee discount across the nation. Then she said to him, you want to go to school and train in hospitality. She said that Popeye's Chicken is going to give you a $20,000 scholarship to go and train. He liked to melt in the chair. She said, you have to walk home an hour late at night and we are going to give you $10,000 to buy you a car or to pay for your living expense because you don't just do what the company asks you to do. You do what is asked and then some. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. Give me the next slide. And so what did you learn from Rebecca? You learn from Rebecca that number one, you don't despise the little jobs. Somebody ought to say amen. You don't despise going down to the well every day and just drawing water and going back and coming back and going back and coming back. Some of the folks are sitting around waiting to get maximum pay without even putting in an application for a job. Come on and help me here, somebody. Look, look, the next thing I want you to, to, to understand is don't wait for the big moments. Don't wait for the big moments. Everybody say, don't wait for the big moments. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the big moment ain't going to come no more than you're standing at a fireplace and it ain't even burning and there's no logs on the fire and, and it, it, you don't even have gas light going on. You're standing there saying, warm me fire. No, no, you, no fire just warms you. No more than you're standing there and you need to lose 10 pounds. You're saying, fall off me pounds. No. You got to go get some wood. You got to go get some kindling. You got to light the fire. And you got to say, now warm me fire. You got to get on a treadmill. And you got to put aside those nana pudding and lemon pie. I, I, oh God, help me not to meddle. And, and you got you, you to gotta quit waiting for the big moments. Okay? And then the, the third thing you learn is help people and you will always be a blessing. I said help people and come on, come on. Help people. Bless people. And don't give your tithes and offerings or give people ten bucks and say, by the end of the day, God's going to give me a hundred bucks. No. Give and it shall be given unto you. But give because it's right. And that's what's wrong with some of us. We can trust God for our eternal soul, but we can't trust God to release our tithe and our offering because we wonder what's going to happen if we give it up. I'll tell you what will happen. You will be blessed. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men and women heap in your bosom. Number four. What do you learn from Rebecca? Do your best and then some. And number five. When God opens the door, go through it. I said when God opens the door, go through it. After the family decided that Rebecca should go with Elizar. They said, we, we wanted to go, but let her stay 10 days. We don't know if we'll ever see her again. Let her stay 10 days with us. We love on her, we bless her. And Eliezer said, no, please, I'm on a mission. My master is expecting me. Do not delay me. 
And they said, let's call Rebecca and see if she'll go with you today. She said, I will. God opened the door and she walked through it. God will open the door for you. And when he does, you'll know it. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. He said, Pastor Matura, things are not as good as I'd like it in the workplace. But I know that some of it has to do with my attitude, Pastor, and my values. And Pastor, I see slouchiness all around me. And when I do more, it seems like they give me more to do. Would you pray for me, Pastor, that I'll be more like Jesus and less like me? Pastor, I just need help to do my job. I got dreams and visions, and if God is using me where I am now, to take me to another level, help me to do my best, I, I pray. If you say, Pastor, I need a prayer regarding my job, raise your hands. Raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to leave the pew. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. You pray with me. Father, come on, you pray, pray in your spirit. Pray, pray with your voice. Hear yourself whisper. These are still economically challenging times in America. And there's some people who hadn't got a raise. I met a lady yesterday, Lord, at Cracker Barrel, who hadn't got a raise in eight years. Lord, she's a greeter. She's got grandkids. I love going there to see her because she's so hospitable and kind. There's some people here, God, who are on fixed income. There's some people here who own their own business. They could barely make it from week to week, but they love you. And if there's anything, oh God, that's hindering the prosperity on their job and their business, come on, pray with me. If it's an attitude, if it's grappling and complaining and fussing and condemning the boss and criticizing the company, please change the attitude. And then change the boss and the company. Come on, church. If it's a co-worker, change them. If people are taking the light and making mockery of them and fun of them, I pray that you turn that around and turn a curse into a blessing. I pray you turn a curse into a blessing. And I pray you make them like Eliezer, like Abraham, like Rebecca. I pray prosperity on every person here. That first they would, when they get their job, and if they have their job, they would tithe and give. Because that's how God opens promotions and benefits. The Bible says our gifts and callings will make room for us. And I pray over them that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to switch gears. I am going to read to you a letter written to myself and you and the elders of the church. The letter begins, Dear South Metro Ministries family, the Bible says in the book of Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. When we read this passage of scripture, it becomes quite obvious that God's will for our lives may not necessarily always go in the direction we would like for them to go. I must often remind myself that my life is not my own. And with that knowledge, I must submit to His authority. 
Our little family of three decided years ago that we would wholeheartedly place our trust and confidence in the Lord. And he has proven himself to be faithful time and time again. In May of 2006, it was the perfect will of God for my family to move to Sharpsburg, Georgia and join the pastoral staff of what was then Peachtree City Church of God. God gave us a burden for the students in and around this county and he gave us love for the people within this great congregation. There are not enough words to describe what the last seven years and a half has meant to my family. The favor of God has been on our lives and in our ministry. We've seen thousands of lives changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. and We've experienced His unmerited favor. I am more than convinced that God Himself orchestrated our time here at this incredible church. That, that's what makes this letter, and writing this letter, incredibly difficult. Through many months of prayer, fasting, counsel, and conviction, my family and I have received confirmation that God is moving us from what is comfortable and leading us into the uncharted waters. Unfortunately, this new direction will lead us away from Sharpsburg, Georgia and away from the South Metro Ministries family. Without question, this decision has been the most difficult decision we have ever made in our lives. The difficulty isn't simply saying yes to the calling of God on our lives, but equally as challenging as saying goodbye to the people we love so very much. Here's what I've learned from these few weeks. The cost of following Jesus is great. The cost of not following Him is even greater. In order to pursue God's calling on our lives, we must give up a lot. However, I believe that we will not miss out. We will miss out even more, pardon me. I believe that we'll miss out more if we stay where we are and not follow Him. Honestly, in my heart, I thought that this day would never come. I felt as though we would retire in student ministry here at South Metro and then one day even pastor this wonderful church. We have made up our minds that we will never leave. However, the Lord began to pull the rug out from under us and we knew that our time here was coming to an end. So it is with the deepest sadness... That effective August 24, 2013, we officially resign as student pastors of South Metro Ministries. Our last Wednesday night will be September the 18th, and our last Sunday will be September the 22nd. After this time of transition, Kimberly, Lakeland, and I will move to Germantown, Maryland, 25 miles outside of the U.S. capital, Washington, D.C., to replant a church in that area. It is our personal desire to not only see the lost saved, but to raise up modern-day revivalists. I believe that this can be accomplished through complete submission to the Holy Spirit and through the power of God. We're literally walking by faith and not by sight. Everything that makes sense to us is telling us to stay, yet the voice of the Lord is calling us to go. Please hear my heart. Though distance and miles may separate us, our love for you will not change. That is why it's so difficult. We have become more than just your youth pastors, but each of you have allowed us to become a part of your family. 
It's hard for us to imagine not seeing your students come through our ministry, but we know that God will meet their needs and yours as well. We will be reunited one day, and what a glorious day that will be. We will spend eternity together in the presence of God, and that deserves a whoop glory, and I don't feel like that, but he said it does. And I say that lightheartedly, because it involves my son, daughter, and grandson. We'll miss each of you. We'll pray for you, pray for us. We believe that this promise... We believe it is promised to be true for South Metro Ministries and for the work that the Lord is calling us to. The best is yet to come. And he closes with this scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Give you a future and a hope. In his grip. Pastor J.C., Kimberly, and Lakeland. Worley. Come stand with me, Kimberly and J.C. and Lakeland and Miss Valerie. I said I don't feel like whoop glory because of my physical attachment. I've never had a son. And now I have two. This is Papa's buddy. I'll have you stand in a moment. You could be seated. Did I know it was going to happen one day? Yes. Did I know he wasn't going to be a student pastor the rest of his life? Yes. Did I know that at age 11, 1968, my father and mother moved me and my three sisters to America and we left every blood relative behind, not one in America? We started all over. Yes. Germantown. I thought, German what? Is that in Germany? It's 11 and a half hours one way. Those of you who work for the airline and told me I could have a buddy pass, I'll be, I'll be seeing you very soon. He will not speak this morning because I won't let him. No, I'm kidding. He'll preach next Sunday. It's a mission church. It's not self-supporting. And so he's going to raise funds. And this home church is going to help him. I know you'd want to anyhow. But we'll talk about that later. We built churches in Africa and India. We built churches in Trinidad. We built churches in Grenada. We built churches in America. And the elders said, we ought to take care of our own. He'll, so he, and they, it's not totally self-supporting. But we'll fly out this evening with those that you see right here. And we're going to Germantown. We're going to try to find them a house, a place to rent. Because God says go. And I'm not worried about that part. I just thank God for Skype and Facebook and all that stuff so I can kiss my buddy. And I'll say hello to them, obviously. Elders who are in the house, come and stand on the stage with this couple. Prayer team, come and stand at the front of the altar, if you will. Prayer team and face this way.
Pastor J.C., I was only kidding about saying anything. Would you want? Okay. Now, parting is such sweet sorrow. That's kind of like a opposites in it, sweet sorrow. Well, what is it? It's sweet because he's obeying God. It's a little sorrow because Pastor J.C. has been known. He has preached camp meetings across America, youth camps across America. He has preached to thousands. He has been known among his peers as the best youth pastor in the church of God. And so you ask yourself, where do you go to find somebody to take his place? The Lord gave me one couple, one name. And he said, you start with them. And if they do not come, then I'll show you elsewhere. That one couple and one name that God gave me has been interviewed by me, approved by the elders. They are Trey and Monty Powell. They'll be coming to us from Jessup, Georgia, and when their time comes, I'll introduce them. But they are the ones that will follow. But right now, the focus, stand choir, stand church. Point your hands this way. Prayer team, point your hands this way. Elders, come on to the front. Come on around me to the front here. Lay your hands on them. Come on, church, let me hear you pray. We're going to pray, Lake, for you and Mommy and Daddy and Papa and Mia, okay? Come on, let me hear your church. Get a little oil, a little oil on my fingers, brothers. You have some oil. You have some oil in your hands. Pray, church. Pray in Jesus' name. Come on. Ask God to open up the doors for them. Ask God to provide housing, to provide transportation, to provide funding, and to provide their peace because their heart is like in the name of Jesus. I anoint Pastor J.C. and Kimberly and... Lakeland and Mia and Papa. Come on, church. God, you told Abraham to go, leave his homeland, and you'll send him to a place he didn't know, but when he got there, he'd know it. And Lord, he went, and when he went, you birthed a whole nation out of him. Washington, D.C. needs another church. Germantown, Baltimore, Maryland needs another church. They need a Pentecostal preacher like J.C., they need a woman of God like Kimberly. Yeah. They need a beautiful son and, and young boy yeah. like Lakeland. And now, Lord, I pray that you'd order their steps. Yeah. Amen, church. I pray that you'd bless them and anoint yeah. them. I pray, oh God, that you'd put them in the right hands yeah. of the right people. Yeah. Lord, you step, your steps of a righteous man are yeah. ordered by the Lord. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Surprise them with your miracles. Yeah. I pray for that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And everybody say amen. amen. Would you express your love for them and give them a handshake and God bless you. Come on. He's going to preach on the 8th next Sunday. We have a reception for him and for her on the 15th. And... On the 22nd will be their final Sunday. But I want them to go down from here, over here. And if many of you don't want to come by, give them a hug. Give them a God bless you before you leave. As they step down. Everybody who knows God is worthy of our obedience. Say amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day. Here I am. Here I
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.